Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah. Get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to a bee. What is going on, everybody? This is the feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Krell, along with a guy who is now 21 years old. It's about damn time. Uh, Brock, how are you tonight? It's 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 New Year's Day, and mm-hmm. so your first week of being 21. You know what's crazy, Austin? You're my biggest supporter. <laughs> I mean, I've never milked out a birthday longer than in, in 2020 and this year simply based on retweeting stuff that you've posted for my birthday or talking about it on the podcast. So I appreciate the support. Um, but I don't know, man, if I'm being honest, being 21, uh, it feels like one of the first ages where I've actually felt like a significant difference in my age, where really? I actually feel like I'm 21 now. Like I woke up 20 now, 21. Um, but I don't know why that is. Otherwise, I've just been chilling, doing, doing my thing, staying out of the way. Not not too much going on for me. There we go. Uh, so I can never complain, you know. I I don't. I think when I turned twenty one, I was like, okay, this is this is okay, like whatever. <laughs> you, you, you just shrugged it off. Well, I mean, I I, I you know, I mean, I want to say you this. Got live. after it early. Okay, I I don't, don't want to say this live on camera, but I mean, like I did what most twenty year olds did. Of and, course, yeah. yeah. You're, you're a human being. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, it wasn't that much of a difference to me, but, mm-hmm. um, and that isn't me advocating for underage drinking. I mean, obviously you do what you want to yeah. do. Some yeah. people are going to, some people aren't, um, whatever. Um, happy new year's to everyone joining. We really appreciate you guys tuning in on your new year's day. It is a Friday night. Um, so we do appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us. Um, as always comment, uh, ask questions, engage with us, subscribe on Apple podcasts, um, SoundCloud, anywhere you get, you know, and then also follow us on, on Twitter um, at Krell T- or at NBA Krell, and then at Landis Brock. Uh, we're, we're constantly creating new content, providing new insights, and yeah. just talking to this, uh, this this wild Sixers team as anyone can. Um, so let's let's get into it. Our, since we last, since we last since we last talked, they they lost putridly in Cleveland. I think we covered that last weekend. Yeah, we did. And then they win Toronto, and then they win. They, oh no, they win, they win against the Raptors in Philly, and then they they blitz the Magic last night on the road on New Year's Eve. Um, 
And I mean, they, they, I mean, as bad as the, the, the last, the, the 2019 New Year's, um, as, as bad as the 2019 New Year's uh, debacle was, where they got destroyed by the Pacers on the road, this was, this, this was, a, 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 if you will, a, a repayment of, of, of that game because they absolutely blitzed the Magic um, and crushed them. So we have two wins to discuss. Um, I, I think it's really important. And not to not to over. I mean, the, the Toronto team is struggling, certainly, and they're only going. They are um, one and three now after winning against the Knicks yesterday. But that was a hard-fought game on both sides. I mean, it was ugliest sin for the Sixers for three and a half quarters. Um, it was really Raptors firing on all cylinders for three quarters. I mean, the entire time, my uncle was texting me like. This team is pathetic. Like we gotta treat, we gotta tear down and rebuild, and all that. And you oh, know, dude. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, it's one freaking game where shots aren't falling. Like, like, like people were getting ready to tear the whole team down, and yeah. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, I, I don't know what you're watching, but I'm watching a team that just is is getting open looks. They're just not making them. That's just, that's just how it is some nights. Um, but I that, that's a game where you look at, and Doc's right. Like these are the games that are great for your character. Um, and that really is the case because if you look at that game, that's a game they never win. I mean, that's that's a game that Embiid and Simmons, they're you know they're down by fifteen, whatever. Um, in, in in that environment where there's no fans, you're basically it's like you're it's like you're on your home court, but for all intents and purposes, you're kind of in a neutral zone, really. And you know, and in Toronto's case, like they had the momentum, they're you're kind of on the road in a sense because you don't have that momentum to get to bring you back. But they battled through it. It was ugliest sin. And they win that game. That's a game that they really don't ever win. Um, mm-hmm. what, what were your takeaways from that game? Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate if he can play over 85% of his games. And the reason I say that is against Toronto, he posted up an opponent at least 20 times. And he has the most post-ups in the NBA through five games. He had 29 points against Toronto which is exactly on par with his career averages when he posts up 15 or more times in a game. So not only did the offense run through Joel Embiid and he got his buckets in the half court, seemingly almost effortlessly, Austin, I feel like Joel has returned to through five games, the Joel where it's like anything within 18 feet, it's a bucket. Maybe last year you look at Andre Drummond defending him. I know they didn't get to play each other, but – uh, just based on who Philadelphia has played. Uh, you might see Mitch Robinson defending him, uh, Nico out, out in Orlando. I mean, you see these centers, and two or three years ago, you look at them and you say, this is a no match for Embiid. This is dog food for Embiid. Last year, not necessarily the case. Joel still had a dominant year, but through injuries and the identity of the team and Brett Brown overstaying his welcome, uh, Joel wasn't as dominant as he's been in the previous two seasons before that. This year, it's starting to feel like those centers defending him, they're dog food. That's how Joel is treating his opponents in the half court. He's taking them off the dribble. He's posting up, backing them down, getting deep positioning. So in Toronto, I saw MVP Joel Embiid. And in a game that was seesaw and kind of tilted towards Toronto, towards halftime, Joel Embiid decided late in the third quarter he was staying in the game. He went down with maybe uh, an injury. I'm not sure what it was, but he decided he was cool to play with about four minutes left in the third. And from that point on, 
Philadelphia just rode and beat out to a victory. And, and, and he single-handedly influenced the impact of that game. 11 points, nine rebounds, and a steal from that moment he checked back in until the end of the game. And the Sixers, they outscored Toronto 35-17 to 17 from when he checked back in the game in the third quarter. So if that doesn't indicate anything else, it indicated that Joel Embiid is an MVP. And if he can play over 85% of his games, Philadelphia is going to have a really good outcome in terms of how many wins, losses. But Embiid is, is automatically in the MVP conversation. Yeah, I um, I don't think he's ever going to win one. I just don't. Um, and it, it won't be that he's not like capable of doing it or that his skill is. You know, he's like I, I think he's one of the top seven, eight players in the NBA. Um, yeah, maybe even better than that. But I think number one, especially in a in a, in a shortened season. Um, they're going to try to arrest him because games are is the season, everything is condensed. Um, you're not going to get like multiple days off in a row typically this season, um, and you know they're they're trying to make um, you know they're, they're trying to make as much chemistry up as they can as they go along. And that's going to be um, you know by him playing as much as possible. So whether he misses games with like you know a, a rolled ankle, knock on wood, or whatever. Or whether it's like okay, we we have a day, we have two days off, and then we have in front of that we have uh, uh, the Pistons. Like mm-hmm. those are games that they're going to try to probably sit him, get him an extra day off off his feet um, against a team that they should be able to beat without him. So I think he, I think he's going to ultimately be in a position where his numbers in there and the, the players is undeniable. But there are guys that put up similar numbers who played more games. And you know, I think I think that's going to be the story of his career. But I think if you're trying, but if you know, he he says over and over again he wants to win a championship in Philly. Him being healthy and ready to go for the playoffs maximizes those chances. And the way that you do that is by if he has to play fewer games and maybe take away from the chance of getting a personal accolade. That's what you got to do. Yeah, um, I, I agree. But Austin, I really like what Doc said at his presser last night. And I think Jason was the one who tweeted it. I was off last night. I don't know what happened in the press conference last night. Um, but they basically talked about load management and oh, no, no, no. speculating <laughs> that Joel Embiid was load managed and sat out against Cleveland. And Doc said ultimately the thing about Orlando in regards to not playing guys in the fourth quarter or sitting out games due to load management, uh, just go out there and kill your opponent. And then you can load manage all you want. You, you beat the hell out of them for two and a half quarters, three quarters. You can chill out in the fourth and have a good time on the bench, some leisure time on the bench. That's your load management. So I thought it was funny Doc said that. I'm not sure if that's what the philosophy will be. Um, but I, I agree with your statement that, that guys are going to outproduce or maybe produce similar with more games. Uh, but that's why I said in order for consideration, it's got to be 85% or more you look at the LeBrons, the Giannis's, the Hardens, the people in the MVP conversation, they only sit out eight, nine games a year. If Embiid sits out close to a quarter, 15%, uh, yeah, of course, he's not considered there. But uh, if, if he stays motivated and then the team's not going to keep training wheels on him, then I don't know, maybe he plays over five, 85%. I, would, I, I, think, I think if you're a fan of the team, MVPs are nice, but – having your guy ready to go for a chance to go to the finals is maybe 
maybe he'll be MVP throughout the season, ready to go for the finals. Who knows? Again, again, I am pro athlete. So if the athlete wants rest, if Embiid feels like he deserves or wants load managed, I'm all for it. I don't pay him. So I, I he doesn't owe me anything. If he wants to sit out, he's gonna sit out and I'm still gonna I'm gonna root for him. Fair. Although in a sense you do somewhat pay him because you have your cable package, that revenue drive. I mean it, it's true. It's true. Like you like indirectly you do contribute to the money that the owners are able to pay him. That's a that's a fact. Yeah, I, I guess so, but you can really correlate that with anything, you know. No, that's you like could, a you could. But, but I'm not gonna sit here and like and like say that like like you don't pay him because like like your your presence on tuning on the TV that does that's how they make the money. Like it's the it's the case. TV deals are a significant portion of how they make revenue. Yeah, um, absolutely. All right. So two one five AEH says, and thank you for tuning in two one five. We appreciate it. Um, what do you think about Embiid's attitude change this season? Um, it's a great question. I would, I, I, I'm very fascinated by the mind of Joel Embiid. Um, I think the attitude change is maybe not so much about like, he feels bad that like he, like he wasn't able to save Brett Brown's job or wasn't able to get a championship for Brett Brown or whatever. I don't think it's about like, yeah, that I think it's, that he sees how guys around the NBA that he looks up to function and he rededicated himself to preparing his body best for the season. And I think in that sense, it's changed. Um, and I, I think as far as like the improvements that he's shown, like not only is he now identifying the double team, he's not trying to coax teams. He's now saying like, please come double me. I want you to double me. And he's coaching, coaxing teams to do it by like sort of like, um, teasing them with like the ball a little bit, and then he pulls back and, fu- and slingshots passes across the court, and boom, they're swinging extra passes, and you get a wide open three. So he, like, in that sense, he's really improved dramatically upon the double team thing, almost to the point of where it's like, well, was it a matter of like dramatic improvement, or was this always there? He just didn't have the, the, the spacing to capitalize on it the way that he does now. Which is, you know, I mean, who knows? Last year they didn't really have great spacing. We all know that, and you know, that turnovers were continuously a problem um, with, you know, the older roster. I mean, what, that was his like two and a half, like second and a half season in the NBA. So, I mean, he, I mean, I mean we, we don't know where like it clicked in his mind and he figured out double teams, but, but it might, but given the fact that he's now like identifying them with rapid succession, um, you, you might, might lead one to believe that he has, had that ability for some time. It didn't have always the spacing or the personnel to show it. Um, now, so, bro, I, I want to touch on the defense because the defense against the Raptors was problematic um, at times. I mean, Raptors were hitting every three, every open look, but I was doing my research and they, and again, this all comes in the context of like we're five games into the season. Um, you know, so a lot can change. But usually, when you think about how much turnover they've turnover they've had so far, or this offseason, I should say, um, you would think that you'd see ugliness now, and then down the road as things begin to click, that'll that that'll sort of even out on the upward side of things. Like you'd think, like now they'd have not as good defense, but as the season goes on, they would it would get better, and it would eventually level out to what they what they really are as a team. 
they've started out where they're in the 96th percentile in terms of, you know, defending ball handlers in the pick and roll. Like they're not giving up nearly as many points as they had under, well, I should, I should say relative to the rest of the league, they're not giving up as many points as they had under Brett Brown in the pick and roll to ball handlers. They're identifying that fast. Um, and, and, and that's credit. That's a credit to Dan Burke, Dave Yeager um, and Doc Rivers, but they're putting pressure. They're going over screens. They're not giving guys a ton of, you know, a ton of repetitive looks. They're being sort of, they're mixing it up. And as a result, like this defense looks dramatically different than it did under Brett Brown. Before I go, Austin, I need to interest you in one of these things. <laughs> this little tool here, this nifty tool here. Yes. It's called a King Cobra, okay? And if you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties, you got to check my boys out at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a, in under a few seconds, honestly. I'm not going to lie. It takes a second, but with me – I really I struggle with it. All so right, take me a few seconds just because of how big. Like, look, this tool is so fun to play with. I keep it. It takes me a few seconds, but it'll take you under a second. It's also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all of this on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra. That's the King Cobra, and Cobra is spelled with a K. For a ten percent off discount on all products. Enter the code, trust the Cobra 10. All caps, one word, Austin. Me and you have one, but our viewers out there, they got to pick one up today. <laughs> it was not bad for a first showing. Not first bad. Uh, Limited not bad. Okay. Everybody give Brock his, his praise. Let's give him a couple claps. And, and I was out of character there. I, I had to switch. I was out of character for a minute. But I'm <laughs> What are we talking about? Defense? I think my liver just turned into a raisin. I love it. Much. <laughs> All right. So um, before, we, before we go into the magic game, which we have, that we definitely have to discuss the, um, the, the Raptors game and the defense. You were, you were saying before the King Cobra ad broke. Yeah. Um, so honestly – the thing about Philadelphia's defense is that you really see a byproduct of new players playing in a different system. But when you can get over that, there's some really good things about the defense. The Toronto game specifically, I like the defensive rotations. I think guys are closing out on the perimeter really well. Uh, notably, Danny Green, he's doing a good job with that. But Toronto made a ton of threes, right? They were shooting efficient as could be from the floor. They were knocking down threes, and yet Philadelphia kept them at arm's length throughout the entire game. Why? Because they have two defensive anchors, one in Joel Embiid, who keeps his head on the swivel backed with his back to the basket, and you've got Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons completely eliminated Pascal Siakam. And for the few possessions that Fred Van Vliet was going against Ben Simmons, also Ben Simmons limited Freddie. So when you've got two defensive stoppers in those two, Everything else around you, it'll eventually click. You can hide things. Guys can be elevated because you got somebody defending the best player on the floor. So in the Toronto game, I thought the rotations looked good. Um, and I did see players go under screens as opposed to follow on the hip of and just having guys walk into shots. Uh, they went under screens and contested the shot. And the opposing team missed it multiple times. 
And if you watch the Sixers a year or two ago, it would be like watching a different team because they never went under screens. So you not only had all of that, but ultimately there was a few big plays with the game on the line. And uh, defensively, there was a few lapses. So they'll work on them because it's only five games in. Uh, but you can't let Kyle Lowry get lost in and dribble through your entire defense on transition. And they did that three times. So that's one of the lapses where miscommunication and uh, being on a new team and a new system comes into play. Yeah, no, I agree. There were a couple times where like throughout the game where, where they were trying to scramble and, 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 and just get the closest guy. And they were sort of like, you know, the, the, their brains like weren't like clicking. And then, you know, Rick Toronto gets an open three off of ball movement. Um, but I thought ultimately when the game counted and when they made their run, they were, I think the most important thing was they were holding the Raptors to one shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, um, you know, turnovers, I believe in that game were an issue. Um, but they, they were, they were making their run by the way, with their second unit, mostly like it was out, it was without one of, um, w- it was without one of the, um, <laughs> it was without one of Joel and Ben. So they were able to, uh, they, they were able to, you know, make that run and with the confidence of, and we don't even have our best player in right now. Like watch this, watch what happened. We put this guy in, but I, I thought for me, like the way that Ben defended Pascal, Pascal looked so shook and limited that I was kind of thinking to myself, man, is this guy already at his ceiling? Like he looks very stiff here. He looks like unable to like do anything with this. Like, is this all that he is like, he, like a star level player, but like, he can't be your number two guy or number one guy on a championship winning team. Now, see, I think Pascal Siakam is widely one of the most disrespected players in the league. I, I really think he is. People think everybody's disrespected. <laughs> I mean, more or less, if you're on Twitter, a lot of people are, but Pascal Siakam, definitely one of the more respected ball players in the league. Um, I can't defend him with his play against Boston in the previous year in the playoffs, but uh, that's a championship-winning ball player. He got a max contract, and I think the rest speaks for itself. So uh, Siakam, I had no question if he hit his ceiling or not um, when Ben Simmons was defending him because that's what Ben Simmons does. Listen, Austin, I'm all for some good Ben Simmons propaganda because that's the st- that gets me the most likes and retweets on Twitter. The Ben Simmons Defensive Player of the Year propaganda, it, it, it fuels my Twitter. But the thing about it is you have to watch the play and, and, and the possessions. You can't just look at a player went one for 13 or two for 13, whatever it may be, and make a determination off of that. Um, so in the game specifically where Toronto was playing and Philadelphia was guarding Siakam, uh, Siakam had to settle for more three-point shots. Like he didn't penetrate. He wasn't posting up. He wasn't getting downhill and driving. That's where Simmons is the defensive player of the year. But Siakam settling for six shots, you can look at that and him missing five of them, that's Ben Simmons. But at the same time, I mean, Siakam, he, he was just shut down by Simmons. So altogether, I don't think there's a perimeter defender in the league that's really better than Ben Simmons. There's Kawhi Leonard, there's Giannis, but I think you could argue he's the, oh, most, Giannis. He's the most versatile perimeter defender in the entire NBA. 
Well, Giannis is a fraud on defense. I mean, let's let's be perfectly honest. He, he, he disguises himself. Yeah, he yeah. definitely hides. Yeah, definitely come on, like, let's cut the bullshit in there. Um, I would say, and I'm not knocking Ben Simmons. Like, like I think it's a testament to how great of a defender um, Ben is. But I also think like Siakam is an athletic guy. He can shoot the ball from the outside. Can dribble a little bit. Um, and he just couldn't make any progress towards the basket. It was like, I'm going to dribble this way. I'm going to dribble that way. Nothing here. All right, I'm going up with it. And then he flings it out of bounds and loses the ball anyway. So, I mean, like, like, like Ben just completely like put him in handcuffs. But at the same time, it was, it was, it was, I was kind of like shocked that Siakam was legitimately just like restrained. Like he couldn't do anything with Ben. That's um, the Simmons effect. That's his Simmons effect, but also he like Siakam was mo- was mostly just like taking spot up threes, um, creating making a couple shots off the dribble. But I mean, he could he just couldn't turn a corner. He just could not turn a corner at all. Um, and so that is the Ben Simmons effect for sure. Nadir Aga says definitely the best shooter on the beat is Kai Carlin. Uh, I would contest. I would definitely contest. This, <laughs> I this think game. it's Crow. Listen, I'm I can on AK. I can shoot the ball in my day. I can shoot the ball in my head. That was you – you, listen, you want to talk about shooting? You want to, you want to, talk, you want to talk about gravity as a shooter? Right here. You're the, you're the you're the physical embodiment of the white shooter. Like, you you are the gravity. You're Duncan Robinson. Um, I had the beer belly. I, know, I had the root beer belly in high school. So, you know, I was in the guy – I was in the guy just move off ball, do what you, do what you can. When you catch shoot, that's all. And so, I mean, so who would qualify – as a beat writer in a jump shooting contest, it would be you and, and Kai, obviously. And then what Jason. other, uh, what other beat writers are we considering for this? Jason, Keith, Kyle, um, Justin Grasso, Bodner, Hoffman, Brian Seltzer, Lauren Rosen. Um, I think Lauren Rosen has the best, the best. Job. I think she can shoot. I think she can shoot. Um, Lauren Rosen, Kevin McCormick, Paul Hudrick, Noah Levick. Um, Jackson Frank, I'm sure can, can probably shoot the ball. Not liking my options at all right now. Six or seven, my guess is in it. Um, you know, I'm all those guys. Not liking my options, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna roll with AK or, uh, or there we go, there we go. Um, but you know, and and I thought it was really nice to see uh, Tobias like like be quick with his decisions just and he's been quick with them ever since like ever since the second game or the you know the, 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 ever since the game against um the knicks and i mean against the future game against the wizards um i don't i think it's too soon to speak definitively but it kind of seems like doc has gotten in his head and is like no you, you got to think don't think just go just just react don't don't wait for anybody and it's been great uh he was great last night against the magic uh, he was great against you know the, the, the Raptors. I mean, he, he's making threes and he just pulling with no hesitation, and, it, and it's and it's a really good thing to see. I thought it was great to see Seth get going too. Seth was was definitely hesitant, was definitely timid within the offense um, for the first couple of games, and to see him get off the Schneid where he's like pump faking sidestep into the left and burying shots, or you know he, he he's not even thinking. He, he sees that he sees like a little crevice beyond the screen and he's just stepping behind it and, and shooting it, letting it go. That's what you need out of those guys. Um, and, and and I think, you know, even if they're missing, it's just the gravity, the gravity that you really need because that gravity is what can ultimately lead to an MB leak out or a Simmons cut. And, and that's an easy bucket. 
Um, so th those are the things that I like to see. Um, they really need more out of Danny Green. I mean, I, I, I know you gave up Al Horford, who was dreadful for you, um, and it was just a salary dump. But, I mean, you'd need Danny Green to make make to do it more than what he's doing. I mean, it looks like he has no idea where the ball is going on a shot-to-shot -shot basis. Yeah, so I'm going to start with the Tobias point because that's where you began. Uh, and I'll say that I think Doc Rivers did exactly what you said and reminded T Tobias of who he is. The, the best thing about Tobias – is that he is who he is. He doesn't try to be anything he's not. He knows where his spots are, and he knows how to play his role. And I think it maybe got misconstrued with Brett Brown uh, of what exactly his role was and where shots were coming from on the floor, and they ran the pick and roll with such low frequency that Tobias couldn't really get a groove or, or into a rhythm in the sense of unlocking his game. So Doc comes to Philadelphia. Tobias is familiar with the system. And now he's been making quicker decisions. Uh, shout out to Tiago. He tweeted it. Um, the dribbles per touch or the, the touch time and the average dribbles per time when he has the ball are down in comparison to last year significantly. And although it's only a five game sample size, you look at some of the games and you can see he's making quick decisions. He's running into shots. He's catching and shooting. He's getting downhill into a spot and shooting. So with Tobias, I think it was really a simple as just reminding himself of who he was. So now I, I see him returning to and maintaining that same efficiency from L.A. as long as he can continue to play his game, hit his spots, and this is how Doc uses him. To your second point, Seth, he's just getting comfortable, so I'm glad he's, he's, he's getting familiar with this system and knowing where his shots are also coming from. But they tie into the most important point, floor spacing. That's why you trade for Seth. You signed Tobias as that third star, and at the time, a great three-point shooter. You signed him to space the floor. You've got floor spacing, even with Danny Green. He can't hit a shot right now, unfortunately, but he's no a player. player. He no idea where the ball is going. I'm going to shot. He's struggling, but the thing I've seen early is this. The Sixers are running through Joel Embiid, but ultimately they're getting guys downhill, with the pick and roll and screens, and they're running through the post. Joel has the most post-ups in the NBA. When he gets the basketball, you look. There's four guys around the perimeter and none within it. There's maybe one within it, and it's Ben Simmons down in the dunker spot. And the reason he's there is because the defense has to defend him because if they go double, Ben's wide open in the dunker spot. So Joel has nothing in front of him but space and his man. And it's man-on-man. Man. You know how good Joel Embiid is there. They're doing the same thing for Ben. They're doing the same thing for Tobias in the post. And the reason why I don't mind Danny Green right now is because he still has gravity and he knows his role enough to where he's either going to set an off-ball screen, he's going to set a back screen to block the closeout, or he's going to pass it to him, be in the post, and run straight to the corner. He knows where he's supposed to be, and he doesn't have to do too much to do it. So he gets that done, and that's why, regardless of how he's shooting right now, I like what I see because the Sixers are spacing the floor really well, and they're simplifying their offense to a two-man game. Just have two guys work, and it's as simple as that. If it's Ben and Joe, if it's Tobias and Ben, if it's Shake Milton and Dwight Howard, let those two work, and then you've got three options around you. And right now, uh, Philadelphia's offense is clicking a small sample size. I agree. I really do agree. 
Um, let's see here. I get to more of these questions or these, these topics. Um, the clever one says happy new year's happy new year to you all as well. That win over Orlando was beautiful going into the new year. Let's go Sixers. That win was fantastic. I was at a new year's party last night. Uh, mask, of course, everyone wearing masks, please wear masks. We want to be able to go out and go see movies. Brock, I want to be able to come visit you at temple at some point. Hey man, you're the one going out and partying. Listen, <laughs> you're the super spreader, not me. <laughs> um, so everyone wear a mask, please. But yes, it was a good one over Orlando last night. The one game I don't cover, Ben hits a three. So, you know, it's all, it's all this stuff. Um, Marquise Graham, Embiid finally showing his full potential, and he wants to add MVP award. Embiid is MV, number one for MVP in my book. So right now, my conversation, and we'll address this real quickly, and I'd be interested to see who, who's in yours. For me, it's, it's um, Trey Young. <laughs> There's nothing like making a, an MVP conversation after five games of basketball. <laughs> well, don't I mean? Doesn't everybody do it? I mean, let's yeah. go yeah. on. Um, Trey Young, Demontis Sabonis. Wow. I mean, he's been he's played great. He is. He, he definitely is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, and I think Joel. Those are like my top three right now. You just told me Joel can't win an MVP. You don't want him to win it. Well, right now, like, like obviously, it's going to change as the season goes on. I just don't think he can do it. If, right. the season ended, if the season ended today, I would say that those would be the three finalists. Well, that that'd be a good week of basketball for us <laughs> Sixers fans, and we go four and one, and Joe gets the MVP. So, uh, so who, who, what's yours? I think you, you got to have LeBron James there by default. Um, I'll oh, give him the benefit of the doubt and keep LeBron there. Uh, Anthony Davis was my pick before the season to win MVP this year. Um, and, and the game he had tonight was just unbelievable. You, you got 48 combined shots between LeBron and AD, uh, 25 plus from 25 plus from both. I'm keeping both of them in the MVP conversation. I like the Trey Young pick. That's a dark horse pick for MVP. Everybody's saying Luca, and I see the potential. Um, I don't think I, 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 I love I'm I'm not jumping the gun early on Luca. He's he came in a little a little overweight, a little out of shape, but uh, Luca will turn it around. Uh, Trey Young, I think they gave him weapons right away, and they did that on purpose because they know what Trey Young is. Um, so I like keeping Trey there, depending on what happens in, in Atlanta. Uh, and then my fifth is between James Harden and Giannis. I knew you were going James Harden. They're there every year. They're there every year. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. You should have called me out. I didn't say Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant if Kevin Durant has an evil season, if, if, if Kevin Durant is a reaper this year, I wouldn't hold him out of top five for MVP. Fair enough. Okay. Um, let's see here. Marquise Graham says winning and, winning and impacted are the keys to winning MVP. Sixers are winning so far, and Embiid has the biggest impact. So that I would answer Russell Westbrook. When they went forty-five and thirty-seven, lost in the first round. You're not. You're winning. You're you're winning the regular season games, sure. But I mean, it's it's ultimately it's about which name is the biggest name and who has the biggest wow factor. And the build-up for Giannis has been unbelievable. It was unbelievable for Harden. It was there for KD. It was there for LeBron. Um, it's it's ultimately about the wow factor, I think, and that's why. Like, you know, I just don't think that Embiid's ever going to 
I mean, he's obviously great. I just don't think that he's ever going to get recognized enough to like get that respect. Not if um, you're dropping 29 and, and, and 15 every night. Yeah. And uh, the clever one says, I know it's early in the season. But my concern will be what happens when MB needs to sit for low management. Who needs to carry the team? Is it Ben? Is it Tobias or maybe Furkan? Listen, if Furkan's carrying the team, we got some. There are some pretty big issues with your basketball team. <laughs> and I might add, by the way, everyone who like loves to blow up Furkan and like he's great and like you know this and all that, they're two and zero without him playing. You're you're giving me all the stonks for this five game uh, five game stretch of basketball. You got all the trends. Um, yeah, the load management is, is – I wouldn't say it's a problem, but it's its definitely a component of Joel Embiid's game that you have to understand. Um, the dude's a, a huge human being, and he plays where you're running cardio, you're, you're nonstop on your knees. Uh, so if he needs to load manage and he feels like he needs to take rest, I'm in favor of giving it to him. Who carries the team? I think it's it's a complex question because, A, yeah, is it Ben? Is it Tobias? Is it Shake? But, B, you need a backup center. And Dwight has been fantastic in that role in, in his short stints of playing time and on the bench. But Dwight can't have four fouls before halftime. That's what can't happen because then the Sixers are really playing their hand and, and then you got to have Tony Bradley playing 24 minutes on a night where Joel Embiid sits. And if it's frequently, that's not a position you want to be in. So Dwight's incredible. He's well-preserved. He takes care of himself. And he's one of the greatest ball players at his position. But the problem is he can't be getting into foul trouble as early as he is. That's my only complaint. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be Ben Simmons who carries you um, with, with him when Embiid's out. I think the Cleveland game was – I mean, it was it was obviously a concerning loss, but I think that they truly didn't know they weren't going to have Embiid till like the very last second. Um, I think that kind of changed things for them, and I think they've built so much around you know the game plan being around Embiid that they really weren't prepared to explore that secondary game plan um, with him not being able to play and not having that like you know not not having a day or so of time to prepare, and instead of having like an hour. Um, was kind of a, of, a, of a shock to their system, so you know, I, I think ultimately they shouldn't, they should not have been embarrassed by Cleveland the way that they were. But I think that there is context that matters, um, not just spacing, but bad coaching and the clown head coach of the league, Brett Brown. We know. Um, <laughs> um, open up and say yams. Ben Simmons is the best perimeter defender in the league, straight up. Um, getting there. He, he probably is top two or three. It's there was someone personal one. There was someone on Twitter. Um, it was just like a curmudgeon type character who's always like skeptical of the media and yada yada yada. And he like scoffed at the Sixers being like, like someone saying that Ben was a top three perimeter defender. And I'm like, like okay, I'm thinking like, can you name two, four or five that are better than Ben? I don't think you can. Like Marcus Smart's right up there. Yeah, I, I mean. Yeah. There, there's a conversation of like five or six players that are there. And then it's a completely different tier. But you just have to respect the six players that are on the list, regardless of your your, your disdain for a player of the other team. 
Uh, Marcus Smart is one of them. Drew Holiday is one of them. Ben Simmons is one of them. Kawhi Leonard is one of them. Avery Bradley is one of them. And then there's a, a sixth who I would maybe say is Mikhail Bridges, uh, but it might be a little early. He looks – Mikhail Bridges – I mean, I listen, I walk by him in school all the time. He never looked as big as he looks right now. He looks enormous right now. Just long, lanky. Like muscle muscle or, or, or size-wise, like height and size. Like, he, looks, he looks like a giant. Yeah. He, yeah. he grew up. He was the one that got away, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was. Yeah. Um, let's see. Justin Persichetti says, especially because he's going to be a number two guy, in my opinion, if he's playing next to the right center, like when Mark and Mbaka were there. Um, if he's playing next to the right perimeter player the, or the right lead star, he can certainly be. I mean, he was number two when Kawhi was there. I, should, I shouldn't have said he can't be the number two guy. He obviously can, but he definitely can't be number one. And that was what people thought he could be. It was like a, it was like a superstar. Um, like one. What? He's getting paid like one. That, that's true. Is. true. So this is a great question from Nadir. Um, um, do you expect Ben shooting more regularly going forward? Um, yes and no. <laughs> and here's why, say, here's why I say no. No, because – like, why would I – what evidence is there to, to make anyone believe that? Um, I mean, he took one shot, like big, big, big deal. At the same time, I don't think he's getting pressured by Doc the way that Brett Brown kind of put pressure on him to shoot. Um, and I think that matters. And I think he has the right people in his ear now on a day-to-day basis. Um, now, obviously, his mental block is going to be the, the biggest factor in all of this. But I think that there is – maybe a, at least some reason to believe that it, that it, that there is maybe some room for change there. Um, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't too, because we have no evidence of it, but I think it's worth maybe just keeping an eye out for, maybe he gets a little bit more like comfortable with it. Um, Justin Persichetti says, can I shoot against y'all? No, I, I only shoot against pros. Sorry. <laughs> pros at what? <laughs> You know, uh, Pompey. It wouldn't shock me if Pompey could shoot the ball a little bit. Um, if 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 Thibault continues to produce like last night, or at least close to it, he is, is he going to steal the Furkan's minutes? Please say yes. Oh, I think he'll absolutely steal Furkan's minutes. I, I don't think Furkan is nearly the player that that that, that people people claim him to be. Like he he's gotten a little better at handling the ball. I still don't want him handling anything with, with any kind of magnitude or volume. He, his shooting is spotty at best, and he can't. And he really can't defend. Like Furkan is is is. I mean, listen. I'm sorry for the for 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 his homeland people, but I, I just don't see it. It's just not my. Yo, you know what? When when did the Sixers win or Liberty Ballers makes a Furkan Korkmaz hype video? That's the eight second segment right there they could use for it. You 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 say that about Furkan? Oh no. <laughs> um, oh no. I don't know. I don't know what's more sustainable. Furkan Korkmaz, I guess Furkan Korkmaz's play or Matisse Thibel playing the way he did last night. I don't know what's more sustainable. Um, the thing about Korkmaz is that if he's not hitting his three ball, I don't want to say he's useless, but he's a lot less impactful than he would be if he was hitting his three ball. Uh, because then if he is to rely on his playmaking or, 
uh, getting in the two-man game or taking a guy off the dribble, even defensively. He has to rely on defending the legitimate scoring option. That That's when some of his weaknesses get exploited. Uh, in that case, if he can't hit the three ball, it makes you wonder, yeah, is Matisse Thibel a more playable player in that situation? But then to make a counterpoint, Matisse Thibel can defend anybody. The problem is offensively, it may not all be there. So you really have to play the hot hand on any given night. And I'm okay with that because Brett Brown never did that. He didn't know how to use his hot hand. Uh, so the fact that Doc Rivers is, is able to do that is a little more encouraging to me. I yeah, I agree with you for sure. Um, I, I First of all, it's a one-game sample size with Bible. So and he was basically out of the rotation until for, until Furkan got hurt. So we'll see. Um, now, I would say that if there is a hardened trade down the line, which I'm kind of leading in the direction of, it's almost like I think it's inevitable at some point. I just I just think that they're going to have to do it. Um, I would suspect that Thibault would be a, a, sh- a throw-in in the package because I mean he was barely in, he was barely in the rotation, and so I don't think they would be twisted too hard to to, to give him in a package. Um, now, um, that said. Last night he gave you a really nice spark off the bench, made a couple of threes. Um, it was aggressive, and he did, he played well. Um, the simple fact of the matter is that I, I just think his ceiling is not much higher than what than what he is right now, and you need a little bit more depth. Um, and it's certainly not only that, but you, you need a, a three level scorer who can get you who can go to the club from like. 11:30 at night till five in the morning and then go play a, a primetime M- uh, Sunday game on ABC and drop 55. So, I mean, disrespect. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's just me. Now, um, Deer says two good games by Toby and all the sins are forgotten. That's not what we're saying. It's a two game sample. It's a two or three game sample size. It's something for him to build off of, but it was a good, it was a good thing to see. The thing and, is though, it's not, to me, I don't view those two games as a sample size because you've already seen who Tobias is at his best. His ceiling isn't any any higher than you've already seen. So I look at that more as in these two games, he was used in the right way. He understood his role enough to be as effective as he was when he was at his ceiling. So to me, it's it's not so much of a sample size as it is more of, okay, Tobias is showing he's still capable of doing that. If he's used the right way, I don't know why he can't maintain it. For sure. Um, and then the deer says in the same breath, Ben is going to carry the team with his 12 points per game average. Laughable. I mean, listen, he's got a point there. He's got a point there. But he just said sample size. He just brought up sample size. But he, then the same breath. Himself. But at the same hasn't time. Been, but but rough, by your same logic, hasn't Ben proven that at his best he can carry a team without Embiid? No. Yes, he had like last season. How about last season, right? Run me the Sixers record. How about about his rookie year when they won eighteen or seventeen games in a row? I mean, yeah, they did win the latter half of their schedule out there, but you do it. They got him to the same spot in the playoffs, though. You can do it. Listen, this is a completely different argument. I'm not going to backpedal. But- I, lawyered, I lawyered the argument. I lawyered it. I win. It's over. It's done. Goodbye. I'll let you have the last word there. But my, yeah. point, my 
my point being was that I think Ben, yeah, he, he most definitely has the talent to carry a basketball team, but you got to be real with yourself, Austin. You, you, you got to be honest with yourself. You see Brandon Ingram out in, out in New Orleans carrying his offense, putting up 28 a night. You see D-Book out in Phoenix. You see oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't mean like in the same way that those guys do it for sure, but, I mean, he can be the best player on the team. Of course he can, yeah, but in terms of carrying a team with 12 points a game, he, he, does, have to, he does have to contribute a, li- a little more offensively. And, no, and- I, I, totally, I totally agree, but Ben's also played some of his best b- basketball without him be playing. Right, I don't want to get this argument. I would just say, run me the record with and without Embiid. That's all I would say. So clearly, you don't think Ben can do it. Honestly, at this point, if 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 Joel Embiid, knock on wood, was eliminated from a playoff series and the Sixers had to play one of the first three seeds in 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 let's say Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and then I'll give the third seed to. Um, who should I give it to? Toronto, Miami, or Boston? Uh, let's say Boston. Kevin Walker gets healthy. Let's say Boston. I'm not sure that without Embiid, Ben Simmons could beat single-handedly any three of those teams. I agree, I agree with you, but for a stretch of a regular season, I think Ben can do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure, but that's a moral victory. You know what I mean? I, my my point is that I think if MB goes down for like eight games, and uh, which was the original premise, that if Ben goes down for or for if MB goes down for eight games, Simmons can 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 carry you to a a five and three or a, you know a a, a, a a livable record without MB. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that either. There we go. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But just like MB, just like MB couldn't lead them without. Been there against the Celtics last year, right? With his thirty-five and whatever, like they lost the series in four. Yeah, it yeah, so I mean, yeah. You need you need both. But anyway, um, I do have to read the ad now, and then we got to go into the to the to the Magic game. Um, now, for Thrive, for the, this is this is the Thrive Fantasy app. Our new advertise, our new sponsor, and our new ad. Um, come hashtag prop up. On Thrive on Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app. I know everybody loves to bet, loves fantasy sports, and most of all, everyone loves free money. Who, Brock, I know you love free money. Of course I do. Who doesn't love free income? Come on. Like, what are we talking about here? Um, Thrive Fantasy gives you that option, daily fantasy sports, for player props. If it's the if it's the NFL, you just choose 10 of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. It's the NBA, MLB, PGA. They even got esports. Which, by the way, Brock, you know how I feel about esports, right? I know how you feel. I, I, I sprained my thumb. Like, give me a fucking break. Respectful. Choose five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Uh, each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under, based on its likelihood of occurrence. And then, the more points selection is worth, the higher, the riskier it is. Um, you rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. If you do decide to sign up, which you should, everyone should, promo code is Simmons43. It's not the let- number three. Sorry, it's not, not the word three. It's the number three. Simmons43, non-case sensitive. Users will enter the code upon sign up. And when they make their first deposit, minimum $20, by the way, 
Um, they will receive an instant deposit match up to 50 bucks and you'll receive $20 cash. Again, that, that last part might've been for me <laughs> more so than anybody else. But again, sign up for Thrive Fantasy and get your money on. Just, just show, you know, you know, the Tom Cruise clip, show me the money. That's what hey, listen, AK said, get your money up, not your funny up. That's what, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Anyway, over to the, um, the magic game now. Um, so they, yesterday they, they come in Orlando who were, by the way, they cannot win for whatever reason. There's a curse for the Sixers in Orlando and they absolutely wallop that team from the jump. And that was like, if that's the ceiling of what this team can be, it seems to be pretty damn good. Exactly. And, and this is nothing we didn't foresee Austin, right? We've been preaching for months that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have space now. And everything they're doing offensively is a product of having space. Now, last night was a night you saw where when they run in the post and they can kick out or if they get it in the two-man game and there's not a lane to drive or the dunker spot's occupied, you could kick it out. You saw a game where if the Sixers can hit the three ball, what they're going to do. And offensively, they have a very high ceiling because of two individually, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But as a unit, the kickout options, if there's a double team, if players get lost in the scramble of playing help defense, the kickout options, Tobias, Seth, Danny, Fiebel last night, if they make their three ball, they're going to put up a ton offensively. And defensively, they can hang with anybody, Austin. So last night, you, you saw a lot of good things from floor spacing to team defense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I thought, number one, that Orlando team looked putrid last night. They looked completely un- unprepared, and they were out of sorts from the get-go. Um, but really, they, they, their shots – I mean, the Sixers were, were the beneficiaries of horrendous shot selection. Um, I mean, Vujovic is like, like – <clears throat> the Magic are popping these deep threes like with six seconds gone on the clock. They're not even trying to get into a set. They're not even trying to get Nick uh, Vujovic, like the, three, the, the free throw line extended. They were all out of sorts. There was one shot and done all night. Turnovers galore. To the credit, that's to the Sixers' credit, though. Sixers were getting in passing lanes. They were being disruptive and basically putting pressure from the front and the back on the pick and roll, and they were killing it in that aspect. And then on the offensive side, the Magic just weren't defending. I mean, it was wide open three after wide open three. So, I mean, that was maybe not a message because the Magic were riding on a hot, on a hot start against a, a not-so-hot schedule. Um, but, I mean, the Sixers went in there and embarrassed them in their own building. Um, and it was, I would say, refreshing uh, for yeah. the fans because th- this team, we're, we're, we've, gotten, we've, grown so, we've grown so used to, like, taking a deep exhale at the final buzzer after wins. Cause you're just like, thank God that's over. Like, it's so like to finally not to be, to be able to like, just enjoy the game and no not, have, not have to worry about like any kind of bullshit. It was, it was, it was nice. Um, and you know, Ben hits the three after the game. I didn't see the post game press conference, but I, I, so I, but the bunch of tweets that I saw, it was like the fuck you want me to say, like I made the three, which, which okay. Do it again, then. Keep doing it. Uh, listen, man, I, okay, I see both sides. I see both sides. You got to hold Ben accountable and ask him why he won't shoot. But at the same time, he's sick of it. I'm sick of it. So I like his answer. 
But Austin, I made an observation. The Sixers and Magic were tied 9-9 to when Ben hit the three. The Sixers, after he hit the three, go on a 10-3 to run. Steve Clifford calls a timeout, and from that point on, from when he calls a timeout until the end of the quarter, the Sixers went on, I believe it was like a 15-4 run, a 15-5 run. So they went on two huge runs after Ben hit that three. So you can make of that what you want, but I think him willing to shoot that shot and further making it elevated everybody's game. I think it, it, it ignited a spark. And because of it, the team just dominated Orlando. And right after that quarter, you have a couple of substitutions. So when four of the first five guys came off the bench for Philadelphia, they had a 20-point lead. By the time all the subs were in and then got taken out for the starters, they pushed the lead up to 32. That's where games are won. If your bench is contributing like that and they can come into the game, they can provide energy, they could hold the lead, they could even maintain the lead. That's where the games are won, and that's how this game was over before halftime. Furious run after Ben hit the three. The offense looked good. They took things out of their playbook and ran them, and then the bench stepped up and did its job. Uh, So that was a textbook win for Philadelphia, and I don't even think that was even close to what they look like at their best. Really? Yeah. I mean, because listen, listen, this is five games for Seth under his belt. He hit a season-high 21, okay? Seth Curry hit, I think, five threes. He can have a night where he hits eight. He can have a night realistically – I mean, Terry Rozier hit 10 opening night. Blake Griffin hit eight or nine the second night of the season. Seth Curry could realistically, if the Sixers get out and run, if a team has a really weak center they have to double, he could realistically hit seven threes a night. Tobias gave you 21, uh, I believe, 20 to 21, 24 points, whatever it was. Tobias gives you that. Maybe he hits a couple more threes. Matisse Thibault gave you nine, right? You might have Danny Green give you 14 points. He might give you eight off the three. Nine, I mean, nine off the three. Who knows? So the, the shooting can get a little better. Guys will get a little more comfortable in their roles. And Austin, this could this was a game that was decided by halftime where Joel and Ben didn't really have to do much in the second half. There could be a game where they're playing Milwaukee or, or the Lakers where both teams are just playing incredible ball, and it's like 110 to 110, 120 to 118. On those nights, you'll really see – the Sixers' best offense when they're when they're truly at their best and, and all um, acclimated. Yeah, I think that's probably the best that they can play, which is which which I think is I think is probably good enough for a conference finals, maybe even a finals. I do. I mean, they, they played unbelievably well last night. Um, and they were they were all shooting the ball really well, uh, well except for Danny Green, of course. Um, but I, I just thought that, that they were getting a really good balance between Joe and Ben. Ben was commanding the game without even really like having that much of an impact on the box score per se. Um, but they were they were killing the Magic from a variety of different spots, and I thought that was like the probably the ceiling, but in a good way because I think that's a really high ceiling. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you know you, that you, maybe you know that they can maximize you know, a couple more, a couple more guys. But 
if Curry's getting eight, if Curry's making eight threes, he's probably taking what twelve or fourteen, which yeah. means someone else is probably not getting that those looks. And I, I think in order to maximize this team, you have to get you have to spread the looks around. The secondary looks have to be spread around amongst you know Curry, uh, Tobias, and Shake, and whoever else is there on a given night in conjunction with Ben and Joel. So I, I, I kind of think that they're just they're. I mean, you, you're not going to have you know, th- four guys every night giving you 20 plus, but I think I think you can have one guy giving you 28, a guy giving you 19, another guy giving you 21, another guy giving you 15, and then you know 14. But um, I I just think that they played a, a damn near spotless game last night, um, and there's going to be wear and tear. There's going to be cold stretches. Um, and on top of that, it's taking the fact that the Magic basically gave up midway through the second quarter. So exactly, that's yeah. that's why I do think they'll have a better game, though. There there will be a Sixers game where that team looks better than the team they just appeared to be last night. In in my right. opinion, there was virtually no second half. Fair enough. Uh, it's it's fair enough. Um, what else did I want to say? Ah, shit, I forgot. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Um, so what happens next? So they play They play the Hornets tomorrow. Yep. It's going to be um, the, 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 the one of those like two-game series where they play tomorrow off Sunday, play Monday, Hornets back-to-back games, both in Philly. They should be off to a 6-1 and one start. Mm-hmm. Good basketball teams win, and, and and these are the games they win. Yeah. Um, my guess is they go one and one. You think that? I, I I don't think you could ever be too too high on this team. I know. I know. I'm I'm just kidding with you. Yeah. I would um, say, I, I would say they win both games, but that Cleveland game that that did a number on my. On my thought process, I, yeah. I thought the Sixers were pretty much done with those types of games, but uh, they just came out flat with, with no energy on the road that night. It was a stinky, stinky, stinky game. Um, now, I did remember what I wanted to say. So we talked about like, like stepping on their throats. And I, I, I forget where I heard this, but someone mentioned like they kept passing the ball and then – the clown clicked to me. Like the reason that they that they didn't do that under Brett Brown was because they often got away from what got them the lead, and then they couldn't figure out how to get back to it. And then by the by the by the time you know they had by the time they were figuring things out again, the team that they had just had their 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 foot on their throats, they were now standing up and throwing punches right back at them. So last night that you know they they let up a little bit in the first you know the end of the first quarter, early second. Doc calls a timeout and they get right back in order. They're up by 35, 40 points almost by halftime. So the difference really was that Doc was able to take control of the situation and say, no, 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 we're not going to do this. Keep passing the ball. Keep doing what you're doing. Trust in each other. Stay locked in. And he was able to recenter their focus and they were able to keep building on that lead. And, and they, they had the, the magic dead to rights for, at halftime. And this is nothing we haven't been saying about, about Doc Rivers. This was the addition by subtraction thing that we were reiterating all offseason. Yeah. I think that not only are you seeing Doc Rivers 
manifest himself on the court and in, in what the Sixers are running uh, because it's stuff that you haven't seen in the past seven seasons, like double screens of the wing, stacking one side of the floor with Embiid on the other and keeping Ben in the dunker spot, uh, as much two-man game and, and the pick and roll as they're using. You really haven't seen that in recent years. So you're seeing himself manifest on the floor, but at the same time in the locker room, on the sidelines. If you watch any Sixers broadcast, and I'll say the national ones for that matter, you can hear Doc Rivers the whole game. You hear his raspy voice screaming throughout the entire game. So I don't want to call him a calming presence because he's always on your ass. He always is making sure you're accountable. But to look over on the sideline and know you've got a coach that's going to go to war for you, he's going to fight for every call, and he's going to hold you accountable is way different than being on the road with a coach that is patting you on the back and telling you and and babying you and coddling you. Um, So not only is Doc doing a fantastic job uh, communicating with his players and and keeping everyone bought into this system defensively, moving on a rotation, offensively knowing your roles, but also Sam Cassell, Doc called him one of the best developmental coaches in the league. Uh, I'm sure he's in Ben Simmons' ear at every practice and every game. Dave Yeager, Popeye Jones, Dan Burke, uh, they all have something to do with these changes. You see Joel improve his awareness in the post. The defense looks a little different with screen. So all of these guys are making an impact. I agree. Brock, what do you have to plug? Uh, my YouTube, Brock Landis is my name. Uh, the Painted Lines YouTube, The Painted Lines, and you can look at me on Twitter. That's right there. That's where you can find Brock's uh, workout videos. <laughs> yeah, I've never posted one. Of, what? <laughs> nah, you won't find that. You'll you, you'll you'll find a Delco accent from a nice Jewish man with with a Ben Simmons beard. <laughs> close to Delco. <laughs> um, you find me on Twitter at NBA Krell. I cover the entire NBA for Last Out Media. I also cover the Sixers exclusively for the Painted Lines. Um, Follow us on Twitter at NBA Krell Atlantis Brock. Follow the feed to Embiid on Twitter at the feed to Embiid. Subscribe on SoundCloud and on Apple Pods. Please be sure to, re- to leave a, uh, a rating and a review. We always appreciate that. Um, and Brock, um, I did I forget what I wanted to say again? Oh, gosh. Ah, no, I didn't. Want to hear a crazy stat? Yeah. This is the Timberwolves. In the three games that Carl Anthony Towns has not played this year, D'Angelo Russell on the floor, a minus eighty-nine in yeah, seventeen minutes played. He's been having a bad season. D'Angelo Russell off the floor. Timberwolves are a plus zero in sixty-six minutes. <laughs> Ooh, doggy. Oof. I think D'Angelo had a seven turnover game the other night. I was watching. Um, I think it was seven. He's 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 struggling this year, but do you do you think he's the type of guy to make one all-star game and then be done? What's that? You think he's like a one all-star game guy and then he's done? I don't know. Delo is still pretty young. It's 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 too early to declare that. Um, but I just think there's a lot of guys that do the same thing that Delo does, and because of it, uh, he, he might not appear at too many all-star games. But that's not to say D'Lo is not a great ball player. Uh, that's that's one of my guys. It's one of my guys. I agree. Well, he is – oh, by the way, one last thing. 
I'm very, very happy that I was right about James Wiseman. Oh, what you say? I said he was the number one pick in the draft and that he was going to be a superstar. I said he was going to be Embiid at, 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 his, at the height of his game, and people were laughing. And I was like, watch. This, that, that kid is putting on a show for the Warriors right now. See, I'm, I'm a little upset that the Warriors team is such a bad team past three players. There's, there's guys that are struggling like Kelly Oubre, who's, who's going to – he'll figure it out. But, I mean, outside of three or four players, the Warriors, just, just they're trash. Um, but James is, is a dog. He's got confidence. In, he, he, he's, he's letting it fly from anywhere. Shoots the three mid-range. He's, he's cash from mid-range. So he's got confidence. And and I like him, man. I think I think I think he's most definitely worthy of where they picked him, and that's a great environment for him. The brand is strong tonight. Yes, sir. Uh, he's Brock Landis. I am Austin Krell. Everybody, let's have a great 2021. Um, stay safe. Wear your mask, please. We can get through this. Uh, enjoy your families and be a better person. Be a better you in 2021. Let's all thrive and do great things. The best of success to everybody, Brock, you included. Uh, take care, everybody. We will see you later this week. Um, if not, then you know, next weekend, of course. Um, and if there is a James Harden trade, which eyeballs, the eyeball emoji, um, we'll be back here for that as well. As always, for myself, for Brock, take care, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great night.